You're listening to an Irreverent Podcast. Visit Irreverent FM for more content from our friends. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, everybody, and welcome. My name is Janice Legata, and this is God Has Not Given, an evangelical podcast featuring me and my failing faith and conversations with my friends and family. And this week, I am talking with my friend Faye. She runs the Instagram account, Your Body Is Good, and you're about to hear why. So settle in, episode 2.13. Let's go. Yes. The outro today is a little longer because I give a little context to something. So even if you usually skip it because you know the whole routine, um, you might want to stick around today. My friend Faye, who I know from the internet 100% so far. So I can't even, I don't even know. Faye, what is our story? It's only been a few months, and I will just go ahead and say that you found me on an account that I started to tell a survivor story anonymously, and I I just kind of went through with people that followed me and said, hey, thanks for being here. Um, I know a lot of people that would follow an account like that are going to have their own stories. They're going to be able to relate, so I I really honor just everyone that's, like, following me on that account, and... um, so I said hi, and we kind of kept talking <laughs> and became Insta friends. And here we are. Here we are. Insta friends and now podcast friends. Now podcast friends. And one day, one day we'll be in-person friends. Yeah. Body, body friends. Body friends. <laughs> Good segue. <laughs> well, almost, because we're not even there yet. Because first, we have to determine... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm whether or not I'm a Christian, because we, we do have very similar backgrounds. We've been mm-hmm. in a, a lot of the same kind of spaces. Mm-hmm. So at some point, we definitely were both Christians. Yes. Um, we'll get into whether or not you still are. <laughs> First, we've got to determine whether or not I am this week. Yeah. So say, give okay. me three things that make someone a Christian. Number one, do you believe that an uncreated being created you out of love and with love in love with love out of love through love Hmm. sure sure that's a fun thing to believe (laughs) sure okay cool and i'm doing this by kind of like the trinity (laughs) which is conceptual but um the second one is Do you, these are hard words to say, just so everyone knows. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior? Ooh. Oh, you're going to get right to it, huh? Yes. At this point? No. Nah. No. Nah. Okay. The third one 
is that like this one's like a little bit more difficult for me to phrase, but as like a question. But have you encountered the spirit of God's love? Have you encountered the Holy Spirit and have like an ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit? Ah, uh, ooh, <laughs> that's a. Uh... Yeah, tricky for you to phrase and tricky for me to parse out. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know anymore. Have I experienced God's love? Sure. I think through through people and through life. Um, man, you're making me think about things. Well, I could have asked, do you speak in tongues? <laughs> I did. Do you? Mm-hmm. Do I still? Mm-hmm. Well, no, because I don't pray full stop. Yeah. Um, but but then it's like, is that real? Because I could conjure it yep. right now. Yep. I could do it. So yeah. Ooh, that's funny. Because like I think about I think about God mm-hmm. conceptually. I think about Jesus as like a person. And I'm like, you know, I like Jesus. Um, but do I believe in this savior bit? Not anymore. Mm-hmm. But I was like, ooh, I never I never really think about the Holy Spirit mm. anymore, just at all. I don't know. I don't know if I've kind of erased that persona or just kind of merged it into yeah. the other two. But yeah, so I guess if two out of three usually ain't bad, but I guess it ain't good if you're trying to <laughs> determine Christianity. So I've been, for the past, I don't know, a couple of months, I've been like, oh, Christian-ish, Christian-y. And I'm yeah. like, no, like the whole point of this is, no, we draw these lines. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not three out of three, then I'm not, I'm not it. So not it. Oh, boy. Um, not a Christian this week. Me neither. Oh, well, then that's that's a segue <laughs> that's right fun. there. Yeah. So tell me, tell me your Christian, non-Christian story. How did how did you get here? How did we get here? How did I get here? Uh, I'll start with like now. The easiest way for me to describe this is that regardless of what I believe or don't believe, being Christian means something pretty specific and, and adheres to... Um, a certain religion. And I have found far more harm in that religion than good. And I want to be a safe person. I want people to trust me. And um, I want my relationships to be healthy and based on truth. And I don't believe that I can partner with this organization and like group that causes so much harm um, with any kind of integrity. And so I've, I've really separated myself from that label and like, how that happened. That was like, that was definitely a decision where it was like, I just don't want to be associated with that at all. Uh, I'm 41 and just never even never expected to be where I'm at now. And, uh, don't remember like meeting Jesus, just kind of always believed in God very, however vaguely or like specifically. And I think I never differentiated kind of what you were saying earlier. Like I never really differentiated between God and spirit, but I couldn't really assimilate Jesus. I had a really hard time assimilating Jesus. And I kind of knew like this person that we hear about, like in Sunday school, like has to do with these other things that I'm like experiencing in my family, like my family of origin. And they, they don't necessarily like line up 
and by the time I was in high school, I was like, okay, so I believe in God and I want to figure out what that means and make it more like my own. (laughs) And I was like, I'm pretty sure I don't believe in Jesus, like the way that Christianity is telling me to. And so I remember telling my dad that, and he was like, well, that's just great. (laughs) Like all of your religious upbringing for nothing. And I have to say, like, I, I've never, ever, like, I've never identified as evangelical. And I've always thought that that was, like, also something really hard that I couldn't reconcile. So I grew up Roman Catholic and um, in an Arab family. And then, like, my mom's side of the family uh, was sort of Baptist and a little bit more, like, sort of non-denominational. And then, like, I had a, a good friend. I would spend the night at her house on Saturday nights, and we would go to her Methodist church in the morning on Sunday morning, if I was there or the Presbyterian church, like, I think one of her parents was Methodist. One of them was Presbyterian and I went to an Episcopalian school. So to me, there is never like a separation between sacred and secular. And I think that that school was really, really good school. And we had chapel every Wednesday and I loved it. (laughs) And I wanted to be a priest when I grew up because they have, they have, we had a woman priest and she was married with kids and I wanted to like get married and have kids and be a priest. Another thing I told my dad and he was like, we don't have women priests. You can be a nun. And I was like, screw that. (laughs) Thank you. So I think my whole life was this process of trying to assimilate what I was being told versus what I felt like I was experiencing Um, When I was, you know, just reading in bed as an eight-year-old, like reading Anne of Green Gables and being told to like turn off the light and staying up later and kind of being awake, you know, until like, like a couple of hours past my bedtime and having the light off, but not being asleep and feeling like I wasn't alone and, you know, wondering, wondering who God was and also feeling like God had never really left me. So there was never like this moment that I got saved and I, that term has always really bothered me, even just grammatically. I'm like, it, it like, it's like nails on a chalkboard to me because it's like, if God is a creator created us, then like, we've never, I've never, I had never recognized a separation from God. And so to like, kind of be told as like an adult, like a young adult, like 19, that I've been separated from God this like whole time. And like, now I need to like relearn everything as a Christian. I, I was very uncomfortable with that. And at the same time, I really bought into it because I was in a very vulnerable place when it was presented to me. And I had another night of lying in bed, kind of just my version of praying and kind of talking to God and wondering things and wanting answers to things. And I was like, what do I believe about Jesus? What am I supposed to believe about Jesus? And I thought like, Mm -hmm. I trust God, like God's never like let me down in my life and things have been hard, but like, I, I still feel like God's presence continually and have that access to like love. And so I, I asked and I had just been basically cheated on 
by a serious boyfriend and was super confused and felt really alone in trying to understand what was going on. I had a lot of adults kind of giving me like, like, don't put all of your eggs into one basket and like these very unhelpful (laughs) adages and was just super lost and confused. And I was, I had been struggling with depression anyway. I didn't like the school that I had chosen for college and I was like just very isolated and I, I was asking God, okay, like, so what do I do with Jesus? Like, everybody's heard of Jesus. So it's like, what do we believe about Jesus? And I remember identifying that feeling of being betrayed. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I felt like who I would have called God and spirit at the time telling me, like, I was betrayed too. And f- feeling that same feeling um, in a way where like, if a friend tells you something that happened to them, like you would have empathy and you would be able to relate to them and you would feel connected to them and have compassion. And I felt very deeply connected to Jesus in that moment. And I would, I was encouraged after that to claim that as like my salvation experience. So I, I was always kind of like universal. Catholic means universal. Um, never had that really awful fear of hell that a lot of people coming out of fundamentalism struggle with even still, which is super heartbreaking to me. Part of that is because when you're Catholic, you get baptized as a baby and it's just kind of understood like everybody ends up in the same place. Um, they have like, they have like these teachings about different layers of hell sort of and different types and places but it's very it's very understood as like mythology Hmm. and metaphor and not literal it's just not taken that literally and some things are and I think this is making a blanket statement about Catholicism that's not true for all of Catholicism but it's definitely true for like my upbringing and my the culture that I was raised in pretty much everyone that I knew as a Catholic. And so like kind of coming around to that and realizing like, I'm not, I don't want to be Catholic. I don't want to stay at the Catholic church partially because (laughs) the Pope at the time had decided that everyone needed to bow to the host, which is communion. And I thought that was very creepy. (laughs) And so I was like, that's, I don't want to do that. Um, And I also, it's like all of my decisions were like, I felt like God was telling me like, that's not what I want. And, and it wasn't right for me. So I chose not to do it. And I, so I chose a non-denominational church because I thought that that meant like (laughs) universal. And (laughs) I was very wrong. I ended up in a cult, (laughs) which I didn't realize until like more recently when I started processing it through like ex-Christian eyes oh that was absolutely a cult and that's why that's why I was anxious and depressed and that's why like I hated my body so we can we can talk about the body (laughs) well it's like fascinating to me and I don't know whether we'll we'll talk about it right right now or we'll just kind of put a pin in it Mm -hmm. and see where it goes like it's fascinating to me Jesus was the hardest thing for you to grasp yeah when that's like the physical body yeah. <laughs> of God. Like, you know, that's yeah. the mythology with that, right? Like this is the physical 
because you're all about the body. So you run the Instagram <laughs> account. Your body is good. I do. Why? What? What is that? <laughs> it's actually the weirdest story. <laughs> and I obviously knew that you were going to ask me this, but um, I'm just going to tell you why it started when it started. And mm-hmm. like, <laughs> I, I may or may not believe or think this exact same way anymore. <laughs> but at the time, I'll just explain like what happened for me when I first moved to L.A., I would be driving around kind of like getting my bearings and getting to know the area or on my way somewhere. And I kept seeing the Ashley Madison billboards that were like, life is short, have an affair. And they had these like very sexual couples. It was always like a man and a woman. And the woman was like super like featured and scantily clad and overly like hypersexualized. And, and it was obviously geared towards, you know, men who wanted to like were maybe unhappy in their marriages um but like obviously like straight men and I remember just feeling gross in my body and I heard your body is good and then and I would have said that God told me in that moment your body is good and every time I would like forget that they existed and I would run across one and the second that I looked at it I would I would almost feel like there was like a stop on my heart from going into a place of like comparison or feeling objectified or feeling overly sexualized. Um, and it, and I would just hear that voice say, your body is good. And I started thinking like, would people cheat and have affairs and like lie and, and be like, you know, hyper-sexualized and, and would this, would this culture of rape be the way that it is if we believed more deeply that our bodies are good? Hmm. And that was, that was my line of thinking at the time. And then a few years later, I was at Hillsong and I felt like a lot of people around me were hyper aware of their appearance. And I had kind of erased a lot of that. I had kind of, um, like, I love makeup, but I will spend an hour on it because I love it. And I felt like that was like, too vain, you know, like, or mm. like being too aware of my appearance. And, and so then I kind of got used to like not wearing makeup out of just like doing other things with my time. And I, I was like a tomboy when I was younger, for lack of a better term, that's what people called me left and right. I was like climbing trees and like most of my friends were boys and I was just really active and I grew up swimming. So I was super comfortable with my body, had zero body shame and like really, really appreciated what my body could do. It can pretty much do whatever I wanted it to. Um, if I wanted to like hop a curb on my bike, I could figure out how to do that. I had really good spatial awareness. I danced and uh, I danced at the college level um, and like I could just take kind of like two steps and like leap across the floor um, with my legs like parallel to the ground. And I, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> um, and, but I, I never had body shame until this combination of being sexually assaulted at 14 and getting into a non-denominational church where I was taught that I had to dress a certain way and look a certain way and that any sexual activity in my past was sin 
and that it needed to be erased, that I could be like washed clean, but I had to like live better and feeling what I now know is called the male gaze, feeling that so intensely when I was in church spaces, learning that all of my guy friends were constantly using porn from like what they told me. Um, And at the time it's, it was considered like struggling with a porn addiction and that's right. terminology that I do not use, <laughs> but all of those factors together made me really uncomfortable in my own skin. And I, I very much lost a relationship with my own body. And so I had, I had started to heal from a lot of that. And in LA, there's this image that like, you have to I think from the outside, people think that you have to look and be a certain way. But when you're actually there and like just hanging out with your friends, it's so diverse and everyone is totally different and looks different and has super different backgrounds. And for the most part, I feel like they're all really honored and everybody wears whatever they want to wear. I feel like when you first moved to L.A., you have like your clothes from home, like whatever region you're from. And you kind of wear like the best of that. But it's not necessarily like the style that everyone else is wearing. It's nice. It's like your nicest clothes. Like they don't have Mm -hmm. holes in them maybe. And, and it's like, you can see when someone first moves to LA, like where they're from and then they kind of taper that down, but then they also just keep wearing their same clothes and they, and I've watched people become more comfortable in their own skin. And I've also watched people go from that outside of the church and to stepping into a church and feeling very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So I started to kind of think like there's something, there's some connection here. And it was just between services one day, I was walking out with a couple of friends and I was like, I'm going to start a separate Instagram called your body is good. And they were like, you should totally do it. And I, I wanted it to be kind of a campaign and I just never got it like really running like a campaign. And this is before Facebook took over Instagram. This is like before there was advertising and st- like before you could buy things on Instagram And so I think also at the time, it's like you wouldn't necessarily, there was no explore feed. So you could search for someone, but you had to know their handle or you Mm -hmm. had to like see them on someone else's friend list or commenting or liking something that your friends had posted. So it wouldn't have been random people finding me and following me. It would have been like people that I knew. Right. And this funny thing happened (laughs) that... I was in leadership there and none of the pastors or like my co-leaders or anything would follow me back. They would, they would interact with me on other people's posts. Like usually funny, like usually we'd be like laughing about something. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was kind of like usually the way that you would start following someone. Like if you interacted and like enjoyed each other's Instagram company, you would like click on them and follow them. And I was like noticing like nobody is following me back. And I finally started to hear from a couple of people. Like there was one, there was one pastor who was like, I want you to like, let's follow each other on Instagram. Let's use Instagram to like promote stuff that we were doing. And I followed him and he didn't follow me back. And I noticed he was like following everyone else on our team. And I DM'd him about something totally unrelated. And he didn't answer me for a while. And then I talked to him about it in person. I was like, yeah, I like, I messaged you a little bit more about this, like on Instagram. And he was like, oh, I didn't get it. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, well, that's weird. Like it's showing up. And I messaged him again. And he was like, I totally thought you were a porn account. And I was like, what? Why is it that when I say your body is good, 
your first assumption is that it's sexual. So it really, I, and that, that was one example of a few. And I, I really started to question the connection between like just a simple statement that to me was very neutral at the time. I think a lot of people now might see your body as good and think it's like body positivity. And I'm not actively posting about body positivity or anything every single day, but I am, I honestly don't really have a plan (laughs) for like what I post, but it's, it's very interesting to me that what felt like a very neutral statement was so sexual, like so instantly sexualized. And that not only was it sexualized, it was like people were afraid of it. People were like afraid to agree with it. And, and I also have noticed, I mean, I, I know a lot of people in the deconstruction space that get very trolled and I can kind of say whatever I want and nobody argues with me or like, like nobody's getting into my DMs and nobody's nasty to me. And I, there's something about just saying your body is good. That's like, you almost can't argue with it. But if you do, you're kind of calling yourself out on something. You're, you know, that's pointing to something. I think defensiveness is pointing to something. And Mm -hmm. so I would, I would say there's probably some shame there for some reason. And people should like, if they want, if they have the capacity, (laughs) Um, if they're not just like, you know, oh, that's like impure. So, you know, if they're not just like dismissing it then that can, that can point to something where maybe there's like a wounding or like, like something needs to be addressed. And I think it can be a positive or a neutral statement still. And it kind of depends Mm -hmm. on the reader. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think and I'm like, if I, yeah, what would I have thought if I just encountered it kind of in the wild? Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. Like it's never, yeah, it's only been either neutral or positive mm-hmm. to me. Like I've, yeah, I never saw it and thought anything. Yeah. Definitely nothing pornographic, nothing, yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. But then I'm like, I don't know if that's because I was already conditioned because I was coming to it from the deconstruction space. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um. So maybe my expectations had already changed. And we had interacted before. We had interacted through my other page before my account before, and so you kind of like already knew me, you knew like where I was coming from. And, but it's not like, you know, the tone of it is not like your body is good. You know, (laughs) it's not, it just didn't occur to me. I think it was like addressing the hypersexualization of women in particular, but it wasn't like meant to be like that at all. And it didn't occur to me that that's how people would take it. But it definitely was, a response to the the culture that I was experiencing, which I would now call purity culture. So it sounds like, so you started it when you were in a different religious space. Yes. Because like my, my deconstruction account is definitely like a deconstruction yes. account. And I started it because I didn't want to do the deconstruction thing like on my regular feed. Yeah. And yeah, I'm not hiding it. So people, you know, can follow me over if they want to. Yeah. Um, and I link occasionally, but it was like, okay, no, I'm definitely in a different space doing a different thing. So you started it in one space and have kind of carried it over. Yes. What has that journey kind of been like? I just think that truth is truth, but I recognized that as truth when I was in with like very embedded in Christian culture and felt connected to God then. And 
I still feel like that's truth. Like whether or not our bodies were intentionally created by a God of love it, out of that, that spirit's image and likeness, mm-hmm. or we are just like cells that have divided and like evolved, you know, like I think either way, our bodies are so cool. I think I could have called it your body is cool. You know, <laughs> it's the fact that we have this ability to like get a paper cut and it's like not there the next day is so cool. All of the, all of the different chemicals, all the reactions that we have to create emotions and all of the different minerals and vitamins that we derive out of food, the fact that we like put food in our mouths, chew it, and then our bodies use it for something. And we also enjoy eating food. That's mm-hmm. really cool. And I think whether, whether someone was like, I'm going to make people like me. And I mean, not, <laughs> not like, but, but like, <laughs> I'm going to make people in my image the same as me. I like food and I'm going to make people that like food, you know, like whether or not we were created with that kind of intention or we've become this way somehow. I, I think it's really, really cool either way. Like our bodies are so cool. And what, you know, one of the reasons that I don't do ballet anymore is that I have had two back injuries and, um, and like had slipped discs for a long time after that was like really difficult to heal. And a lot of the way that I was able to finally like take down inflammation in my body when my body was trying to heal and like just overloaded was just addressing like nutrition and like what I wasn't getting and what I needed to get to be able to like, you know, rebuild cells and like get stronger. And that fascinated me. And that was around the time that I started that Instagram account. So and thinking about God and trying to figure out like who is this this person? Yeah. Or you know, what is what is this being like? Yeah, I've always thought about the fact that like we can we can heal. So whatever the original intent was and whether, you know, there was this utopia and perfection and whatever, I don't understand this loving God that would send people to hell. But like if you're gonna do that then why go to the trouble of like making us, giving us the ability to heal? Yeah. Just stick around a little bit longer. Right. Enjoy so I can really, can. really get you. Yeah. Yeah. If this God was so harsh and, you know, had to, you know, we had to be punished. And I'm like, then it would have just taken care of itself. Like, it's yeah. like you would have done something wrong, broken your arm. And that would have been it. Like, just, just let the body rot you know, here, no, we weren't created that way. Like we were created with the ability to heal. So it's, to me, that says something loving. It's like, no, you know, there is, there is hope, there is restoration. Yeah. And you should stick around. (laughs) You should. (laughs) That's definitely part of what really drew me to the person of Jesus in, in the, the good aspect of it was just the idea of redemption and restoration, regeneration of our bodies. And uh, the, the bad part is just not being able to disconnect the person of Jesus from like all of the abuse that I encountered in church. And mm-hmm. I think it's interesting because the other thing that was so attractive to me about Jesus 
was his confrontation of religion and the religious. And I, so I've always been very anti-religion and like kind of pro-spirituality and tied myself to Christianity because I felt like that's the same. And, and what I experienced was very much not like that. And, and there are things that I read in scripture that, that just feel really abusive. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so because I've encountered so much abuse personally and watched my friends go through it and tried to take that to this God that's supposed to also heal in like a more grand, like in a grander and like a supernatural way and not experiencing that. um, That's been the hardest thing for me to reconcile. And that's been the thing that I just had to like put down and say like our bodies can heal on their own. And then they also like, don't (laughs) always. And then, and then ultimately don't. And the, I've always like thought of everything in the scope of eternity. And so when I think about like, if Jesus isn't real and if Jesus like is why we get eternity, then maybe eternity isn't real. And then I go into like mega existential crisis mode (laughs) and it's really bad. It's a really bad space. It's like the one thing that I'm just like not okay with. And, Hmm. and I, like, I refuse to lose. And it's like, if this life is just like, eventually your body can't contain you anymore, then I guess, yeah, like celebrate our bodies now. But even also like, if we, if we do get eternity, our bodies now are literally a shadow. It's like what, you know, like what scripture says, it's like they're, they're a shadow of things to come. If you think about like the abilities that we have and the abilities that we lose, the concept of like not losing those abilities is very exciting to me. <laughs> and, and I don't want to lose that, you know, like I don't no, I don't think anybody wants their body to like, lose abilities and like get old and and tired and 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 contain so much pain mm-hmm. yeah so that's like that's been my process and that's kind of like how I've gotten to where I am and and then for the rest of it I just say I don't know we can't really know a lot of it and I and I land there and I'm okay with staying there and not trying to figure it out not trying like too hard to figure it out no, it's funny to to think about eternity. And I think about it now and I'm like, oh, I guess I personally, I never tied it specifically to Jesus. Yeah. I can take him out of the equation. Yep. And yeah, if eternity is real, then it just is. It, it just is. Yeah, yeah. It is. I think that too, it's like, we just are. And it's like, I think I used to be like, I don't know, neutral or like, definitely not uncaring, but like, I feel like I experienced death and loss in a very different way. Hmm. And, and it was with that just total assumption that we don't really die. And so that, that has, I think that's like why it's been so hard to reconcile that. And, and I, and it's also just like, I don't want to, and I, (laughs) and I've given myself permission to like, believe whatever I want to believe. And, and I've always believed that, that every single person like has that right, you know, to believe what they want to believe and, and not have to like force a different belief. 
And so, yeah, like I think growing up with that mentality and then suddenly being told like, no, actually like, you know, Catholicism is bad and wrong and, Mm -hmm. and like evil. Um, you need to like redo all of your thinking and you need to like get saved and you weren't going to like, no, you weren't going to get heaven. And, but like, Oh, but now you will. (laughs) (laughs) That was a really, it was just like a really confusing time in my life. And I wanted, I think that like, I developed a really fast and hard trauma bond because I was so vulnerable, but along with that came that, that like absolute discomfort in my own body. And I think I even like, I even started dressing differently because I didn't, you know, I didn't want my brothers to stumble. Mm -hmm. And I really diminished a lot of my own personality by internalizing so many of those messages. And I look back and I'm like, that was just out of survival. And that's like another super cool thing about our bodies is that like we're wired for survival and so that's another, that's like another aspect of eternity that I'm like, why, why be so wired for survival? Like we want to live, you know, like we were born wanting to live and our bodies are this really cool way that we can experience all that life has to offer, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, as much as our bodies will let us. So yeah, it's, it's very interesting to me still to to be like pulling apart kind of like what I believed before and like what I was kind of like retaught within, Mm -hmm. you know, like within the realm of evangelicalism, which I didn't know that I was in at the time. (laughs) And kind of now feeling a little bit more like I've just gone back to, I've just gone back to the beginning and, and that's just kind of where my mind rests and I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah. And, and kind of like re, integrating my relationship with my body to that when I've lost a lot of the abilities that I had as a kid. And, um, and I, you know, like just because you've started to like externalize what purity culture has taught you doesn't mean that like, we're ever going to be able to like stop swimming in that water. <laughs> like right. we're still, you know, like we're still encountering people that are very entrenched in it. And it's hard. It's like, it's hard to have like that male gaze inside and outside of the church. And it's, it's hard to live with that. It's, it's hard to have to like consider at all, like what you should wear and, and how you should like kind of carry yourself Mm -hmm. to, to just be safe and just to survive. So it's, I think it's a lifelong work of using your body to, to, to survive, like to integrate, like what you have to, and also to figure out how to, how to enjoy as much freedom in that as you can. And it's so, it just seems so backwards because I think about, about Christianity and about the church. And, you know, if I had to just draw a hard line, I'd be like, oh, I would say Christianity hates the body, like the flesh, like you're supposed to kill the flesh. Yeah. As individuals, we're taught that. And then I'm thinking about it socially and kind of institutionally. And I'm like, oh, like how much damage does that do? Because so many of the issues that that we face and that we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis have to do with our bodies and kind of, you know, our appearance and how we 
physically, literally show up in the world. Yeah. And so it's like, if Christianity doesn't want to acknowledge the body at all, well, then that explains why it has so many problems dealing with racism, dealing with, you know, patriarchy and gender kind of issues, like all these things that have to do with our literal bodies. And when Christianity is just like, no, we, we hate the body. We don't even want to deal with that. Yeah. And then it's crazy because thinking about, about Jesus, Jesus was primarily dealing with people's bodies yeah. and their physical issues. And I'm thinking like, how different would Christianity be? How different would it look if they like, had to love and acknowledge the body, had to actually try to reach people that way? Like, I think it would be a much more good and useful structure. Like if we were just dealing with, oh, what can, what can I do for your body? Like, yeah. how can I feed you? How can I house you? How can I, you know, treat you better based on like your physical identity? Mm-hmm. But Christianity, so much of it, and especially the evangelical brand that I know and love, <laughs> you know, it wants to be, <laughs> it wants to be all spiritual. Mm-hmm. And, you know, only the spiritual is what matters. Like, oh, no wonder it is so useless and like just truly kind of inept because there's really yeah. no way to to judge that or kind of calculate, you know, how useful are you actually being if it's all spiritual or if it's all internal. Yeah, it's really cool to me, too, how our bodies are connected to our emotions and I mean, I don't, I know some kind of like church history and everything from like just my religious background as far as being in Catholic schools and um, in the Episcopalian school that I went to. And there are always like these different, these different like little personalities that kind of like grow out of mainstream Christianity at the time and then maybe branch off or maybe they, they kind of start to inform the thinking of Christianity. And if you look at history, they've, they've largely had to do with the body and, and how we treat the body. And I think like, that's where we're at now is like this weird eclectic mix of how we've historically treated our bodies, the view that we've had of them. And then also being, you know, being in America and having our particular history of patriarchy and like our history of slavery yeah we don't we don't honor bodies and we obviously don't honor bodies of color and so there is there is this supremacy and this like white purity that's expected as the standard and it has to do with sexuality and it has to do with appearance and it has to do with how you behave like it has to do with every aspect of your whole life you're expected to be creative and charming and unproblematic and pretty much silent. And then what do you do with your body? What's the use for your body? Yeah. Ooh. And yeah, just thinking about our Christianity in the light of our history, it actually, it does make sense to me. And I'm like, and as, as dark as it is, you know, because this Christianity was, was brought here and perpetrated in the beginning by these white men, you have to shape this Christianity in a way that makes it okay for you to keep doing, you know, what you're doing. So of course you have to, you have to create a religion that dishonors the body in general. 
and certain bodies, you know, specifically. And so to even be in this space now, looking at Hillsong and all these megachurch institutions, but like Hillsong is the one that I know and, you know, can speak, speak to personally. It's the culture in the world and it's also the culture in the church. It's like, oh, you know, this forgive and forget kind of idea. And it's, we forgive abusers and we forget the abuse. And, yeah. you know, I went into these spaces yeah. kind of expecting to be abused in some ways. And you don't use that language, but like you expect to to serve hard and you expect to to basically like punish your body for the sake of your your spirit and your soul. Like, this is not, this is not going to be fun. This is not going to be enjoyable. And if it is, then it's probably not really real. Like, you're probably (laughs) not doing something good. Yeah, Yeah, just this whole idea (laughs) of, you know, again, of this brutal God that kind of, you know, demands justice and demands, demands blood, like demands pain of you. That's how you know it's real when you don't like it. And you're doing it anyway. <laughs> you know. With a smile. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you are paying, paying with your body. Yeah. And you're paying with your money, with your 10%. Yeah. Your paycheck. Which you also earned with your body. Like, you're probably already working a job that you probably don't love. Like, if you do, yeah, you're lucky. But a lot of us have to work to survive. Yes. So you are, yeah, giving your body to that system and then you're bringing your body to church and yeah, giving it there. And then also 10% of what your body already worked for. Yeah. Like it's, it's very depleting. Yeah. I see so many symptoms of PTSD among people who have left church and whether or not there was like relational, like really specific spiritual abuse being in that environment and being like overstimulated, you know, particularly Hillsong is extremely overstimulating on a Sunday. And if you're there all day, mm-hmm. it's exhausting, but it makes you a little bit like wired and kind of hyper and you become a bit addicted to it. And then, you know, you're hungover on Monday. Hillsong hangover. Yes. Yeah. And then for me, at least, for the most part, I was, I still had, I had been in LA for several years and I still had a lot of friends who um, were still at their churches or like didn't go to church. And so outside of Hillsong, I was hanging out with people who didn't go to Hillsong and, and I was only seeing Hillsong people like on Sundays or like Mm -hmm. if we had like a weekly meeting and That is also really depleting, like relationally, because it was like every Sunday, I love you. I love you. I love you. Let's get coffee. 2000 hugs and you good. And like this, like emotional high. And then the rest of the week being totally alone. And so I think like what that did for my cortisol, like what that did for my stress levels was really toxic. And the week before I left Hillsong officially, I cried every single day, almost all day. Mm-hmm. I just like couldn't stop crying. I, I had this emotional release where I like, I talked to my roommate who had never gone to Hillsong and she saw like what leading a connect group was doing to me as far as stress and ha- you know, having the place ready and like being there and like seeing the interactions. And, and she just was kind of finally like, 
what are you going to do about all this? She's like, you've, you've had the same story and nothing's changed for like the whole time I've known you. And she's like, what are you going to do about it? But again, I think so many people live, live from that place because you are trained to expect it. And it's like the worse you feel, the better you kind of believe you're doing. You're like, oh, I'm really, I'm sacrificing here and I'm giving it my all. So yeah, it feels bad, but that's, that's good. So that's that. And that was forced to be a wrap for us because the internet broke and Squadcast cannot keep up. Womp womp. If I was superstitious, I would say something about this being the 13th episode of the season. But as Michael Scott would say, I'm not superstitious. I'm just a little stitious. I am, however, super bummed the last 10 minutes of this conversation were eaten by the ether. But that just means Faye will have to come back at some point. So it's not the worst thing in the world. Also not the worst thing in the world, your body. And I hope you'll take some time to think about all the ways your body is good. Because your body is good. And I also just really quickly wanted to acknowledge something. Uh, when I first started deconstructing, and when it was obvious because I had left the church and wasn't you know, planning on going back, a question that a lot of people had that kind of you know, seemed to set their mind at ease about me and what I was doing and where I was at was, but you still believe in Jesus, right? You, you still love Jesus, like that. That was the thing that people seemed really concerned about. And at the time, I would say, yeah, because yeah, I hadn't really thought about it. Um, after this episode, obviously, I know I don't still believe in that. And there are a lot of ways to parse that out and a lot of questions you know, to ask within that, I guess. But I know what the Christian kind of requirement is and I can say that, no, I don't believe Jesus died for our sins. And that's mostly because I, my conception of God cannot allow for a loving God that would require anyone's blood to you know satisfy his judgment so so yeah so I just wanted to be honest about that so if you were holding your breath or holding on to me because of my belief in Jesus let go of it because no I don't I don't believe it anymore and if that worries you I'm sorry but also respectfully that's your worry and it's not mine and and I'm coming from you know, the place where a lot of you are. So I know, I know the beliefs behind this and I know why you might be worried. But again, that's your worry. I'm not worried. Um, and, and if you are worried about me, think about why. Especially if you know me and you know me to be, you know, a decent person. Why would you have to be worried about what your God might do to me because of what I no longer believe? So... That's that, and that's literally a wrap on my salvation, I guess. But I'm good. And getting back on topic, so is your body. Your body is good. So a huge thank you to Faye for reminding us of that. For more reminders, be sure to find and follow Faye at Your Body Is Good on Instagram. And while you're on Instagram, if you haven't already, check out God Has Not Given. Hit the show notes for all the links. Be well, and I will talk to you soon. Uh